0: As Justin was sharing and, you know, I think about it, it feels like we've had a lot of people, let me try that, feel like um, there have been a lot of people in our church that have just been dealt blow after blow, Jeff's laughing. (laughs) He's like after blow, after blow, after blow, after blow, after blow. And my, uh, my mind went to that old song. Oh, goodness. I think it's a Gaither song. Um, I don't know if you know it, but if you do, sing it with me.
1: Something beautiful, something good All my confusion, he understood All I had to offer him was brokenness and But he made something beautiful out of my life.
0: Some of us are going through
1: it. Don't give up. There
0: is beauty to be found in ashes. I love, um, I think it's Isaiah 61 that talks about that. Um, So you may feel like you are in the middle of the fire. That's all right. You're in good company, because, um, well, usually there's a fourth person in the fire with us when we're there, right? So, all right, sorry, that was a little, um, oh my, the 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 TV's off, so I didn't realize the time. Um, all right, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go New York on you and talk really fast. So you gotta keep <laughs> up with me, all right? You with me? You with me? If I do this, are you gonna be with me? Not the accent, sorry. <laughs> i got to do it because my southern drawl slows everything down. So we're in the fifth Sunday in Lent, And we have been looking for these past, well, for these 40 days, we'll be looking through this lens primarily of the Beatitudes and what that means. So you'll recall when we started, um, we, we talked about uh, these blessings. The, these people that God blesses are... The attributes and qualities that God wants us to have, because these are the attributes and qualities that God has merciful peacemakers, the persecuted, the poor in spirit. Right. And so we started with that. And then Jason talked about being a peacemaker. And I love how he talked about um, peacemaking isn't passive. Peacemaking is active. And then Justin followed it up the next week with another example, and he talked about lust, but he he broadened it to anything in your life that is competing for your desire is wrong. Anything that's keeping you from following Jesus wholeheartedly is lust, and so you've got to rid yourself of it. And then last week we talked about this holy mess of loving people, even loving your enemies— So, today we are going to uh, talk about the next thing, but before we do, I want to see if you can figure out, from this video clip, the TV show that goes with it. So, go ahead, Angela.
1: What is it? People's Court.
0: You remember they like they open the door and the person walks in. And is like, this is the plaintiff. Julie said her dog was bitten by her neighbor's rabbit. You know. Yeah, this is the case of the bitten rabbit. And then you know, and then yeah, Judge Wapner. You remember Judge Wapner? He was awesome, and he would he would judge judgment for the plaintiff, <coughs> judgment for the defendant, <coughs> right? And and since then we've had tons of judges. I mean, well. People's Court is still going on with a different judge. We've got Judge Karen, and we've got Judge Judy, and we've got, oh goodness, we've got a whole slew of judges. We've got reality shows that are based on judges. We've got love, Judge of Love shows, and we've got all this kind of stuff. Because people love to judge, don't they? And they love to see other people being judged, don't they? But it's not just reality. I mean, we love it even in our movies and our TV shows. Do you recognize this sound? That's unmistakable, isn't it? I wish I could find a sound on my keyboard that I could just do that every now and then. Law and order. We love this just as law and order. Oh, my goodness. It's been running since uh, 1786, and they have have so many spin-offs. They have law and order, then they have law and order uh, trial by jury, law and order SVU, law and order true crimes, law and order Los Angeles, law and order organized crime. Law and Order Criminal Intent. They have Law and Order United Kingdom. And now they have just announced that they are rebooting the original Law and Order. What did I forget? I may have missed one. There's like seven or eight of them. So you, you may exactly be right, Ms. Janice. We simply can't get enough of watching other people being judged, can we? Which is problematic because our verse for today talks about judging. So I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 7. If you want to turn there, you're welcome to. Otherwise, just hear the words today. And so uh, just... As a point of reference, this is the last section of the Sermon on the Mount. We have the Beatitudes that start it, and then we have this last chapter where Jesus is talking about practical applications, and he's talking about, uh, well, just ways to live your life. And so we come to chapter 7, uh, verses 1 through 6, and this is what it says Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Side note I was reading and and they said uh, it is most likely that the number one Bible verse that Christians love is john 316, and the number one Bible verse that non-Christians love to quote is matthew seven one don't judge me judge do I what that's what I'm saying, that's what they say. <laughs> Do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And when you worry oh, and why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? And that's Jesus using hyperbole. When he's talking about a speck, he's talking about like sawdust and then if you look um, in the Greek, that log is actually like um, it's like a support beam for a house. So that's what he's saying. So you, it's like you're worried about this little thing in someone else's life, and you've got this big old log in the middle of your eye. How can you think of saying to your friend, oh, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite! First get rid of the log in your own eye. And then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They'll trample the pearls, and then they'll turn and attack you. Jesus, I pray that you'll be with us as we uh, walk through just a couple of thoughts um, that pertain to this concept, this idea that you have for us. Uh, May my words be your words. Pray this in your name. Amen. So we're not going to focus on all six verses. We're going to focus on the first two verses. Um, We will be launching back into a Sermon on the Mount series, and we'll be getting to the other verses eventually. But I just want to focus on these first two verses, and I think there's enough there. And what we're going to do is each verse reminds me of a Bible story or a parable or a situation in which Jesus spoke about that exact thing. And so I want to kind of unpack what he's saying in Matthew 7 by what he said and how he lived in other parts of the Bible. You with me? So the first thing is, don't judge others or, and you will not be judged. Ah, oh, we love this verse, don't we? You're not the judge of me. Why are you so judgy? Don't look down on me. You're so judgmental. Mind your own business. Take care of your own house. I, you know, I've got mine. Don't, don't tell me what to do. And, and we love to gravitate towards the role of judge when it comes to others, but we do not like it when we are the person being judged. And we won't let others judge us. At least not easily. We usually go down kicking and fighting. And so let's unpack just this don't judge others or else you'll be judged. It, it's reminded me all week of John chapter 8 verses 1 through 11. If you want to write this down, or you can go back and get the reference later on. But let me just summarize the story. What's going on in John chapter 8? It's the story where Jesus is uh, in the middle of the town, and there's a crowd following him, and he has this woman brought to him by the Pharisees. And she's been caught in the act of adultery. So the Pharisees say, okay, Jesus, let's get your opinion. The law of Moses says, that this woman is to be stoned. What do you think? And they're trying to get Jesus to be backed into a corner where they can use something against him. And Jesus refuses to answer for a little bit and it, scripture talks about how they finally they get pretty impatient and he's like, "Okay, all right. Follow the law. But the first stone is thrown is thrown from the person who's without sin." And Scripture talks about how they, one by one, all put down their rocks. And the crowds disperse, and Jesus is standing there with just this woman who is, moments ago, being accused of adultery by people with rocks in their hands. And he looks at her, and he says, Woman, where are your accusers? Isn't there anyone who feels worthy of condemning judging you? She replies, no one. And Jesus says, then neither do I condemn you. And then he follows it up with something important. We like to stop there, but he follows it up with go and sin no more. And so we have this grace and this compassion that are intertwined in this love Of Jesus. That's his response. It's grace because it's unmerited favor. That's what grace means. If you give someone grace, they don't deserve it, but you give it to them anyway. It's unmerited favor. It's grace. Because the Pharisees weren't wrong. That is what the law of Moses said. That is what has happened to countless other people before her. It's not that they were wrong. It's that Jesus gave her grace. He gave her something that others hadn't. He gave her something else because he refused to condemn her. It's grace, but it's compassion because he saw her and he saw her pain and he he saw that he could alleviate or eliminate some of her suffering. And so he offered this option. Go sin no more. It's grace because he healed her heart. No judgment for your sins. You're forgiven. The matter is settled. It's grace because he healed her heart. It's compassion because he healed her habits. He gave her a way out so that she could be transformed, so that she could go and live a life that is pleasing to God. It's grace and compassion, not judgment. Don't judge or else you'll be judged. The second verse says, For you'll be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Which makes me think of Matthew 18. It's a parable that Jesus is telling, and it's a parable, he says, there's this king once. And he had lent out a lot of money, and he decided to settle his accounts. And so he brought people in to pay back what was owed to him. And there's a man that came, and it said he owed a lot of money. In fact, it says he owed, I think, 10,000 talents, which in my little subnotes says that's equivalent to 375 tons of silver. 375 tons of silver. That's what this servant owed the king. And he said, I can't pay you back. And the king says, okay, you're going to jail. Your wife's going to jail. Your kids are going to jail. I'm confiscating your property. I'm confiscating your animals. I'm confiscating your land. I'm confiscating everything. You borrowed from me. You can't pay me back. This is what you get. And scripture says that the man fell before the king and begged and pleaded. And the king had compassion. And the king extended grace. And he said, okay, We're good. It's all forgiven. Can you imagine the panic that that man felt in that moment knowing how much he owed? He probably didn't borrow it all at once, but then when you see the lump sum, you're like, oh my goodness. Can you imagine how it would change your life if the king says you're forgiven, now go on your way? You'd be walking on cloud nine and woohoo, hey honey, good news. That's not what Jesus says happens in this parable. Jesus says the man leaves the king's palace and goes to find a fellow servant who owed him money. About a day's wage. So if we're using $15 an hour times 8 hours, about $120. 375 tons of silver, $120. Here's the scary thing. Scripture says he went out and sought this man. It's not like he just passed him in the street. It's not like he was at the local Jerusalem Publix getting milk and he saw the guy and it brought it up. No, he sought out this man. And the man said, I don't have the money. And he says, "Okay, well, then you're going to jail. We're going to pay for the debt by. Very similar thing to what had happened to him. And the man, in a very similar fashion, fell before this other guy and he said, oh, please give me more time. Just give me a little bit. I can I can get it to you. But this servant who had just been forgiven a large amount did not care. The man's cries fell on deaf ears and he brought the collectors and said, take him to jail. And Jesus then says, when the king found out about this, he was furious and he brought back the man. And he said, you selfish person, here's what's going to happen. You are going to jail, and you will be tortured until every penny is paid that you owe me. At the end of the day, neither that first servant's heart nor his habits had been changed. He didn't fully comprehend the guilt that, he, that was upon him. Which led him to not fully understanding the forgiveness, the compassion, the grace that was being offered to him. And because he couldn't comprehend it, he acted in a way that was counter to what he should have. And Jesus then finishes the parable. You know, he usually gives a summary and says, this is what it means. And this is what he says. This is how your heavenly father is going to treat you if you refuse to forgive others. Not a lot of explanation needed on that. You're going to be judged in the same manner by which you judge. You're going to be judged with harshness if you judge with harshness.
1: But if you were to love
0: with, if you were to judge with compassion and grace, which is not really judging, it's forgiving. Guess what? That's how I want to forgive you compassion and grace upon your many faults. Because at the end of the day the truth of the matter is we have one judge, don't we? And it is not us. Don't judge others and you will not be judged for you'll be treated as the other as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged now. Let's be clear. This does not mean that there is no judgment. I am not saying, hey, just be kind and you're good. We believe that Christ will return to judge the living and the dead. We affirm that we will all stand before the throne of God someday and be held accountable for our actions, for our deeds, for our thoughts. There are no exemptions. There are no exceptions. We believe that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And for those that don't, There will be judgment. We believe what Paul says when he says, there will be a day when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess on heaven and earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we're all going to confess it. We believe it. The question is, how will we be judged? Which is why we need to remember, if we believe that God is the judge and he's going to be responsible for all that, we need to be reminded that we are not the judge. We're called to follow the actions of Jesus. We're called to be disciples of Christ and His way always displayed compassion and grace. We're to leave the judgment to God and instead we're we're supposed to focus on loving people. We're supposed to trust that God's Spirit will do the work of prompting people's hearts. We're, We're to trust that God's Spirit will change people's lives and then We don't have to worry about our words of condemnation being the voice that we're throwing at them. We can just throw love and compassion and mercy and grace because that's what's been lavished on us. And so we're going to judge others the way that we're judging. This is the way Jesus, when we accept him into our lives, this is the way he looks at us. So this is how we're going to look at others. And we're going to trust the Holy Spirit is going to take care of the heavy lifting of dealing with people's sins because we can't deal with people's sins anyway, can we? We can point it out, but that's judging What we should do instead is love people into the kingdom instead of condemning them into hell. So, when we are living the way we're supposed to be living, not judging, but living with compassion and grace, God's spirit moves in people's lives and people's hearts will be changed. And then our role becomes not judge, But disciple maker. And we are called to disciple people. And if you're new at the church or you don't know what that means, it basically means we're here to help people along their journey. We're we're here to walk alongside them and teach them. It's like, come with me. I know the way. And we disciple them into their faith when we go with them in their faith. We join partnership with them and we say, I'm going to love you and I'm going to teach you everything I know and I'm going to learn from you because God's going to be speaking to you as well. And we can work this thing out and really grow together in a really big way. So we disciple people, we teach them, we help them grow in their faith. That's our job. We're not the judge. I guess if we were going to do the people's court, we're more like the reporter at the end that says, Hey, how would you feel about that mercy that God just gave you? feels pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah. How are you going to live your life from now on? You know what? I want to help you. Let me walk alongside you. Let me, let me teach you something. You know that reporter at the end that always is like, what would you think about that? Yeah. that? That's more our job than the judge part. We get to let God do the heavy lifting of judging and saving and sanctifying, and then we have the fun job of doing the reporting and the walking alongside. So in this time of Lent, let me ask you, It's been a lot of weeks of looking at self, a lot of weeks of saying, God, are there areas in my life that need to change? Are there areas that you want to work with? Are there things in my life that maybe I didn't realize that weeds were growing in the fertile soil of my heart, and now my garden's a little bit overrun, and maybe it's time to do a little spring cleaning with what's growing in my life. Let me ask you these questions. Where do you find yourself in those two stories? Are you the woman who sees this extravagant compassion and grace that's been freely given? Are you this man who doesn't even realize the gift he's been given and in turn lives his life only set on self? And I'm using man and woman in those examples because that was in the story. We all know that, right? Okay. Are you like the woman who, who was shown extravagant compassion and grace and it changed her heart and her habits? Or are you like the servant whose heart and habits were not changed because he couldn't fully comprehend the amount of compassion and grace that had been lavished on him? So he walked away and chose his own path instead. Does your life reflect is slow to condemn and quick to forgive mindset of Jesus. If it does, you'll probably be called a weirdo because we like we like the judging. And people will notice when everyone's condemning someone and you're not. They'll wait for you to join in and when you don't, it, it will get awkward. I'm going to be honest. Let's dig just a little deeper. Is there unforgiveness or judgment in your heart? We all have baggage. We say this a lot because it's a catchy slogan for Celebrate Recovery, but we really do all have habits and hurts and hang-ups. So the question isn't, do you have them? The question is, have you surrendered them? Which is a lot more difficult than holding on to it. Holding on to the pain. Or not forgiving the person that hurt you. Friends, that will kill you. It will eat you alive. And if we're going to put that kind of heart in one of the parables, it's not in the first one.
1: So, what would it be like for you to just say, Okay, God, you've
0: forgiven me, so I'm going to forgive them? It doesn't fix everything, the relationship may never be restored to where it was pre pain. But my heart can be healed through your transforming power. And if you show me compassion and grace, as you have, I'll pass it on. So we're going we're gonna to pray, and then we're going to come to the table. I'm going to invite you. Um, we've already had a couple that have been at the altar today. If you feel like there is something that you need to work with, with God. You're struggling to forgive. You're struggling to get over. You're struggling to move on. You just—you almost wear the pain like a badge of honor. I'm going to encourage you to take action today and come down and pray. And if you say, well, I can't get down on my knees because I'll never get back up, that's okay. Come and stand. If you say, well, I can't walk that far, stand where you are. I encourage you to take some sort of physical action right now just as a confirmation to yourself. Yeah, God, I'm hearing you and I'm responding. So I'm going to give you a moment. We're going to close our eyes and then we're going to pray. God, I don't know why it's so much easier to judge than forgive, but it is. And I guess maybe it's because there's more transformation that needs to happen in our hearts. Jesus, will you continue to heal us? God, the more I read these passages, the more I realize that our judgment, um, I usually think that our judgment comes from a place of feeling superior to others, but the more I'm thinking about it and the more I'm reading and the more I'm studying, I'm starting to realize that a lot of our judgment comes because we see ourselves in the other person. And it's easier to point judgment out in someone else than it is to deal with the issue in ourselves God, that's wrong. We know it's wrong. Would you forgive us? Your compassion and your grace are so extreme and so complete. Jesus, will you transform us even now? Holy Spirit, will you work in our hearts? There's more work to do as we are changed from glory into glory. We surrender. This overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love has pursued us relentlessly. And we're tired of trying to do it on our own. So, Jesus, will you help us to remember that we're not the judge, that that you are more than capable of judging because you judge our hearts. Which is something that we can't do. We judge actions and we don't ever get to the heart of the matter, which is the matter of the heart. And that's something that only you can do. And so we're going to stop trying we're just going to accept your grace and your compassion and we're going to send it on. We're going to be a conduit through which you can use us to further extend your compassion and your grace to those that need it. And this is a beautiful time of the year as we think through what it would mean for some of our friends that don't know you to come to know you during this Eastertide season where we celebrate the fact that you're risen. Because you're alive, we live. And so I pray that you'll help us. Help us to just surrender this desire to be judge. It works for a TV show, but it doesn't work for our lives. So we trust you and we surrender. And we will follow the way of this Jesus. The Savior of the world. And we're going to pray everything in his name. Amen. So we come to the table. You can keep praying. Wow. Is there a better symbol of grace and compassion than Jesus meeting with his disciples and coming to the table? If you you have your elements, you can grab them. If you don't, They're in the back, and you can go grab them, or if you can't get back there, we can get them for you. On the night that our Lord was to be betrayed, he was with his disciples in the upper room. And he knew what was about to happen, he was about to be judged. The creator was about to be judged by the created. And still in love, he went willingly to the cross. And he took the elements that had been used for thousands of years in their faith and he transformed them. Um, I don't even know if that's a good word. Because he... He would become the spotless lamb that they had sacrificed spotless lambs in the past and throughout history. But he was now becoming, he was personifying everything that they had believed in. He said, this bread represents my body, which will be, it shall be broken for you. So take, eat,
1: and be Thankful.
0: Then he held up the cup. He said, This cup represents my blood, which will be shed for you. Compassion and grace. Take and drink all of it. Thank you, God. always good to be at your table. Thank you for what you did. May we live in response to that sacrifice. May we live in response to the love that you showed. And may we share that love with others. We pray this in your name. Amen. Will you stand with me?
1: Let's sing our benediction. Ready? We sing hallelujah. Let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim. Let your will be done
0: in us. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.